Genesis chapter 30, verse 1. It says, Now when Rachel saw that she bore Jacob no children, she became jealous with her sister. And she said to Jacob, Give me children or else I die. Then Jacob's anger burned against Rachel and he said, Am I in the place of God who has withheld from you the fruit of the womb? Now, some time passes. I want you to go to verse 22. We'll pick up the story there. It says, Then God remembered Rachel, and God gave heed to her, and he opened her womb. And she conceived and bore a son, and said, God has taken away my reproach. And she named him Joseph, saying, May the Lord give me another son. I want to use the subject this morning, the desire for increase. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, which is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. We thank you for the opportunity to be in the house of prayer this morning, and I would ask that you would anoint my lips of clay to preach the word of the living God, that you would anoint the hearing of this congregation, that in hearing the word, they might receive it as seed sown into the fertile soil of their hearts. I ask this in Jesus' name, and the church said, Amen. You may be seated. This morning we look into the life of a man named Jacob. He was the grandson of Abraham. And as you know, when we talk about the Old Testament, God is referred to often as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob is the Old Testament picture or type of spiritual maturity and the difficult process of growing up into the faith. When you read about Jacob, you read about a man who was greatly flawed, who made a great many mistakes along the way and for whom there was a constant working out of his heart by God. Aren't you glad this morning that God doesn't quit on us? That he keeps working at us until we become fully mature, fully grown in him. And, and he did that in Jacob and he does that in our lives. Along the way, Jacob made some mistakes, some colossal blunders. We could, we could look at the life of Jacob and see just how often he had made these errors. He, he began his journey, as the Bible tells us, as a young man. He tricked his brother for the birthright. And... He tricked his father into giving him the blessing that belonged to his older brother Esau. And so he was forced to run for his life because Esau promised to kill him if he ever caught up with him. And so Jacob ran to the homeland of his mother and he found refuge in the tents of his, uh, of his uncle Laban. And around there he found a young lady who he fell in love with at first sight. Her name was Rachel, and the Bible says that she was a, a beautiful uh, uh, girl. She was a beautiful woman who, uh, the Bible actually compares her to her sister and uh, describes her sister Leah as not being so beautiful. So Rachel was, uh, she was all of the, all that Jacob could think about. When he asked for her hand in marriage, his father-in-law-to-be said, Well, you want to marry my daughter? I only require that you work for me for seven years. Indentured servitude. 
for seven years. And you know, Jacob, he signed up. He said, that'll work. He worked seven long years, and the Bible tells us that on his wedding day, uh, they dressed up the bride with such a thick veil that Jacob was deceived into marrying the wrong woman. And he married Leah, the older sister. Now he was in a little bit of a problem because he had intended to marry Rachel, but he was now married to Leah. And so he married uh, Leah and he asked, uh, for, he asked her, Rachel's father for permission to marry Rachel. And he said, all right, I'll let you marry Rachel if you work seven more years. And don't you know he signed up? Now... Polygamy was permitted in that day. We're not going to go there, but it's not permitted today, so don't even think about it. <laughs> Just make that clear. Fourteen years he labored in order to obtain the wife that he loved. And so now he has two wives. He has Leah and Rachel. And Leah, Leah he's married to by, by commitment and, and trickery because he had sown deception. He had reaped deception. And we see in the scripture this, in, uh, this principle that cannot be altered, that we will reap what we sow. We always reap what we sow, more than we sow, and later than we sow. So watch what you sow. Because it will come in greater number and in a later date than you expected. And so he has now two wives, and although he loves Rachel... She cannot bear children. And Rachel uh, becomes a, a woman who is determined to have a child and, and yet cannot have a child. And, and this becomes a desperate situation in the family. Leah, on the other hand, is having children and, and none of them seem to be able to satisfy the aching of her broken heart. Leah, each time she has a son, she gives him a name. And each name that you look at, the names of the sons of Leah, they indicate that she thinks, with this child, Jacob will love me. With this child, he will, he will get, he'll get the clue that I am really something. And this never seems to work out until finally Leah, just in passing, I'll mention this, that she names her fourth son Judah, which means praise. It seems as though Leah at long last realized that it's not about Jacob, it's about God. And she puts her confidence and her praise in God and her life, it would seem, takes a change, a turn for the better. And Rachel is grieved. She can't have children. She prays a prayer, a desperate prayer, a prayer that we need to hear more of in the church. She says, give me children or else I die. Have you ever wanted something so bad you'd die for it? Rachel did. Give me children or else I die. This was the same prayer of John Knox, the great reformer, who said, God, give me Scotland or else I'll die. And I believe it ought to be the prayer of every believer, every church. God, give us souls or else we'll die. Give us that, give us that increase in our, in our spirit. Give us that increase in your body, in the kingdom of God. For you see, her desire was a pure desire, a desire to grow, a desire to increase. And I want to tell you today that the desire to increase is a natural 
part of the human life, but really it is the very, it is the very heart of God. Jesus said these words, John 15, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would bear fruit and that your fruit would remain. Increase and fruitfulness is the will of God for your life. Did you hear that this morning? Say that with me. Increase and fruitfulness is God's will for my life. Because some of you are struggling with that, I can tell. But this is God's will. Jesus said, I appointed you that you would bear fruit. What kind of fruit? Good fruit. How much fruit? A whole lot of fruit. Lasting fruit. This is the desire of God for our lives. I believe there's not a person in here who wants to stay where they're at right now in their spiritual life. Somebody say amen. There ought to be a desire in every one of us to say, I want to grow. I want to be a a better Christian than I was last week. I want to be a better father than I was last week. A better husband than I was last week. A better mother or wife. A better preacher. A better minister. A better uh, worker on the job. A better boss. I want to be a better student. I want to increase. I want to grow. I want to be greater than I am today. This is the, the nature of the kingdom of God. Listen to what Jesus said. He said the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which is the smallest seed that a farmer can plant he said but when it has fully grown it becomes like a tree and people sit under its shade and even the birds take refuge in its branches and lay their nest then he said the kingdom of heaven is also like leaven which a woman put a pinch of leaven into the flour, and before long all of the flour had been leavened. And, uh, and he was saying it's like yeast. When you put yeast in flour, before long all the entire batch of flour has been made full of yeast. That's how the kingdom of heaven starts. It starts small. It started with one man named Jesus establishing himself as the Messiah on the earth. And then he grew to 13 himself and 12 disciples. And then it grew to 70 whom he sent out to preach to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And then 120 on the day of Pentecost. And on the day of Pentecost when Peter preached, 3,000 were saved. And the week following, 5,000 were saved. And the gospel began to increase and grow and grow. That mustard seed had begun to take root in the earth. That leaven had begun to fill all of Palestine. It went from Judah to Samaria and even unto the uttermost parts of the globe. And the gospel even reached Beeville, Texas. Aren't you glad about it? Because the kingdom of heaven is like yeast. Let me tell you, friend. When the gospel comes into your heart, and you'll bear witness with this if you're a believer, the seed of the word came in. It was small. And it was in there along with the malice and the greed and the evil tendencies and the sinful nature. That seed of the word was in their heart along with all of that garbage. But slowly the leaven started to fill your life. And little by little, you started to talk like a believer. You started to think like a believer. You started to pray like a believer. You started to spend your money like a believer. And before you knew it, the kingdom of God had taken control of your entire life. How many of you can say amen? Some of you are saying, Pastor, the kingdom has not fully taken control of my life. Give it some time. 
The yeast will get to every last corner of your life. I want to ask you a question. How many of you are the first person in your family to be a believer in Jesus Christ? Raise your hand. Come on, raise your hand for me. You know why the enemy fights you? Because you're that little pinch of leaven in your family. But you see, the trouble is that once the leaven is in the flour, you can't get it out. And so that the kingdom begins to grow. The gospel comes into a family and the devil fights it because he knows that if it's one today, it'll be two tomorrow and three after that. Before you know it, they're all going to be Christians. Before you know it, they're all going to be toting the Bible and, and quoting scriptures and, 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 and praying and doing all of those things. Friend, the kingdom of heaven, it just takes over. So if, you, if you're not converted and you live with, with somebody who is, just give up. Just give up. Give it to Christ. Because it's going to happen sooner or later. The kingdom of God is going to invade your life. But this is the nature of the kingdom. It invades. It increases. And God has put within us a desire, a, 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 a longing to see fruitfulness, to see growth, to see our potential realized. How many of you have a desire to increase? Right, now that was so weak. I'm going to give you another chance. Because I don't think you understood the question. I said, how many of you have a desire to increase? You see, church, you will never increase if you can't see yourself increasing. If all you can see is the, the trouble you have now, the brokenness you're in now, the poverty you're in now, that's all you'll ever have. But if, if I can get you to see what God sees, God says, I want to bless you in every way. And the problem in, in the church is not that God doesn't want to bless us, is that we don't believe God. I'm going to just spell it out real clear this morning. Our problem is that we have not received the kingdom of God. We have not believed God and taken Him at His word. But God wants to establish His kingdom in our lives and His kingdom in our homes and His kingdom in our city. He wants all of Beeville and the Coastal Bend region to know who He is. Is there anybody in here who has a desire to increase? God forbid some of you get to heaven someday and you didn't win a single soul to Christ. Pastor, you're getting personal now. Maybe you never witnessed once to somebody and told them about the love of God for their life. Can I impart a burden to you today? God, give me children or else I'll die. The yearning to see God manifest his glory in the lives of somebody else. Friend, this is the very heart of God. To see his house full. To see his, to see his heaven full of souls. Redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. 
You and I are the agents by which that gospel is being preached in the world today. But there is a laxness in the church. There are so many in the American church who just want to go and be church attenders. Just want to sit in the pew. Have no desire for fruitfulness. The Bible said that Jesus looks at that, that God the Father looks at that vine. And any vine in me that does not bear fruit, Jesus said, my Father prunes it out. I want to be a fruit-bearing branch. Now, Rachel, the Bible says, had a desire for increase. She says, give me children or else I die. But God didn't hear her prayer because she prayed the wrong kind of prayer. Have you ever prayed a wrong prayer? James said, you ask and you do not receive because you pray amiss. How did she pray amiss? How did she get it wrong? First of all, she prayed a disconnected prayer. Because if you read it carefully, it says, she said to Jacob, give me children or else I'll die. It was a good request, but she was directing it at the wrong person. Her prayer was disconnected from God. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. If you get disconnected from the source of life, which is Christ, you can't have any answer to your prayer. You see, some of you are looking at your husband. You're saying, make me happy or else I'll die. Some of you are looking at your spouse or a boyfriend or girlfriend saying, make me happy, fulfill me, or else I'll die. Friend, that man, that woman can never make you happy and they can never be completely fulfilling in your life. Only God can do that. But as long as you're looking at Jacob to do what only God can do, there's going to be a disconnection between you and your prayer life with God. If you're saying to that job, make me prosperous or else I'll die. You're saying to your your professors, make me wise or else I'll die. Friend, there is only one source for prosperity and one source for blessing and one source for wisdom. And God is the source. Our prayers must be toward God. Oh God, he's the answer. He's the one who is able to do it. And Jacob says, am I in the place of God? I can't help you, woman. What you need, only God can do. And I'm here to tell tell you the answer is the same today. What you need, what you're looking for, only God can do. Drugs can't do it. Alcohol can't do it. Dope can't do it. Sex can't do it. Relationships can't do it. Facebook can't do it. Social media can't do it. The internet can't do it. Money can't do it. Wall Street can't do it. Only God can do what you need Him to do. And until He is your source, You will find yourself like Rachel praying the right prayer in the wrong direction. And God won't answer that. Why? Because if if God had given her a son, she would have said, Jacob gave me a son. God is jealous about his glory. And he's going to make sure that when this baby is born, Rachel will say, God did this. This was the Lord's doing. The second reason she didn't get an answer to her prayer was because her motives were wrong. Verse 1 says, she became jealous of her sister. So her prayer was motivated by jealousy. It was motivated by envy. 
She didn't pray out of a motive to see God glorified. She prayed so that she could have something to boast in. And this is precisely what James says. He says you pray and you, you do not receive because you ask amiss, only uh, you, desiring to use it on your own pleasures. You see, sometimes we don't see God's provision of the thing we're praying for because we're praying for our own benefit. We're praying for our own selfish ambition, our own selfish desires. I'm convinced today that God will not withhold any single provision from his church. He won't, he won't withhold money or resources or influence or, or power or energy or strength as long as we are building the kingdom of God. But the moment you and I start building our own kingdom, God shuts off the tap. That's why some of you don't, don't get out of a financial hole because you haven't honored God. And God is saying to you, until, until I am the reason and the building of my kingdom becomes the reason for which you do things, I'm going to shut this off. You want to see supernatural provision? You do it for me. And uh, my, my father, who I mentioned a few moments ago, he... Taught, he taught me this, taught my brothers and I this. Uh, he, he moved into a church in San Antonio, cost a million and a half dollars. And he planted a church. Nobody plants a church in a, in a building like that. And you know how much money he did it with? Zero. And those of us who were watching were wondering, how's he doing that? <laughs> but you know, all he did was take God at his word. And said, God, I want to build your kingdom right here on this street corner. And if you will provide it, I'm going to do it. And God provided it. But so many times our prayers are directed at us. God, I just have to have that car. I just have to have that big house. I just have to have I just have to have that promotion, that job. And God is waiting for us to say, is this for you or is this for me? Because when it's for his glory, the windows of heaven, the tap of heaven is open and supply comes. Now, I can tell you're getting nervous, so I'm going to get off the point. But I just want to let you know that if you want to see God's provision, Put God first. Make Him and the building of His kingdom the thing that is in front of you. Make the increase of His kingdom the goal of your life. Jesus said it like this. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all of these other things will be added unto you. And the Bible further says that if you will delight yourself in the Lord, He will give you the desires of your heart. When you delight yourself in God, He will give to you the desires of your heart. Now, this is a twofold application. First of all, when you delight yourself in God, God starts taking control of your desires. When you begin to delight yourself in God, you're studying His Word, you're praying, you're spending time with Him, you're spending time in His house, you're spending time among the people of God, He starts to change your appetite for things and He gives you the right kind of desires. If there's anything you and I ought to want, it's to have God's desires in us. To have the appetite.
appetite for what God wants. Jesus said, pray like this. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. He's saying, I want God's desires done on the earth through me. Listen, church, this is the mark of maturity. This is the definite mark of maturity. The, the, the people of Israel in the wilderness, God did miracles for them. But when the mature generation, spiritually mature, entered the promised land, God did miracles through them. And so many of us, sometimes we just want God to do something for us. And God is saying, I want to do something through you. I want to bring increase to your life, but I want you to make me the centerpiece of this work. And it would appear that along the way, Rachel's heart begins to be shaped as she, as she goes through this. And in verse 22, there's such a hopeful reference, the Bible says, and God remembered Rachel. I talked to you last week about a due season. That's what he's saying. A due season came into Rachel's life. A moment when God said, all right, now I'm going to do this. She's ready for it now. I'm going to get glory out of it now. And I believe there's a due season coming for Kingsway Church because some of you have been praying and praying and praying and praying and praying and God is saying, just wait. My, my delay is not a no. It's just wait. I am going to do this thing. I'm going to bring the increase that you desire and I'm going to build my kingdom. I wish I could get an amen in the house of God this morning. A due season. See, some of you don't have a due season because you haven't sown anything, so you're not expecting it. But those some few of you who know today, I'm waiting on something. You know what I'm talking about. Be not weary in well-doing, for in due season you will reap if you faint not. Rachel's due season comes, and the Lord remembered Rachel. And the Bible says he heard her prayer and he opened her womb. She conceived and bore a son. She said, God has taken away my reproach and she named him Joseph. And the name Joseph literally means increase. She named her boy Increase. I believe God has spoken a name over this church. He's saying increase. An increase of souls for his kingdom. An increase of the operation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. An increase of the supernatural. An increase of answered prayer. Come on church. An increase of his presence. He has spoken increase over our lives. She named him increase. Saying the Lord has added to me. And not only that, but in her, in her naming of her son, she prays another prayer. She just had one son and she says, God, give me another son. Add to me. Increase what, I ha- what you have given me. Make me bold and greater than I have been before. Church. Is there anybody here this morning that can pray that kind of prayer? You see, it doesn't have to be all of us, but if ten of us will get together and say, God, increase this uh, this work of your spirit among us. Increase the saving of souls. 
bring revival to our land. Give us children or else we die. God will open up what he has promised us and give us that addition, that increase. Friend, Joseph's name meant increase. And I just want you to notice Joseph for a moment. Everywhere Joseph went, he added. Have you ever met a subtractor? Maybe you are the subtractor. You never met one. God forbid. You know what I'm talking about. Somebody that walks in the room and they just subtract stuff. They just take your joy, take your peace, take your enchiladas. I don't know what. They just come in and they subtract from your life. Some of you are dating a subtractor. You need to get them out of your life. Maybe you're a subtractor. You need to get saved. But there are people that that just take. They take your energy. They take your strength. Take your well-being. And I worry because this generation is growing up is is becoming a generation of subtractors. But the Bible said Joseph... His name meant increase. Everywhere he went, he added something. Think about that. Everywhere Joseph showed up, he added. The moment he was born, he added joy to the house of Jacob. The moment he was born, he brought joy to to the tents of the patriarch. He added to Jacob. And then the scripture said that his brothers out of envy, they sold him as a slave. And there he went off with the Midianites to Egypt. And in Egypt he was sold to the hands of a man named Potiphar. And in the house of Potiphar, Joseph that 17 year old, he must have thought, you know what, if I'm if I'm here and my name is increased, I might as well add something to this place. And before long he was running the whole house. My goodness. He just added to that house. Potiphar left him in charge of everything. Maybe God would promote you if you would become an adder. Pastor, why are you being so so direct this morning? Because this is our name, church. We are a church for increase. We've been called out of darkness into the light so that we can bring light where we go. And God forbid we be a subtractor. Everywhere we go, where the church goes, the leaven should start taking over. Then they put Joseph in prison. Now he's done, right? He's not going to be an adder anymore. But no, the scripture says that while he's in prison, he must have thought, I'll add something to this place. Before long, he was running the prison. And the jailer was sitting back on his easy chair, and Joseph was running the prison. Because everywhere he went, he added. And then the scripture says that out of nowhere, the door opens, and Pharaoh pulls Joseph out of the pit and brings him into the palace. And he gets into the palace and he says, all right, I'm going to add something to this place too. And he starts giving him the wisdom of heaven. 
the wisdom of God. See, we want to hurry up and go to the palace, but God says, if you will add something to somebody where you are, if you will share what you have where you are, if you will give what you have, the gifts I've given you where you are, I will promote you, I will give you increase, but I want you to be an adder where you are. And then a famine comes, a seven-year famine so intense that, that, that the neighboring nations are dying of hunger. And there comes in the silhouette of that desert sun, 11 or 10 brothers making their way to Egypt trying to find some bread. They have no idea that God has set them up for an encounter with their own brother. And now Joseph says, guess what? I'm going to add to them too. He was a man of increase because the kingdom of God had fully taken over his life. And he had realized it's not about me. It's about God getting what he wants. It's about God doing what he planned. It's about fulfilling the purposes of God. Is your name increase are you an adder this morning I dare say that in your sphere of influence there are people who need something that you have they need the joy that you have in Christ they need the peace that you have they need that gospel message. Your testimony, your story is a seed that can fall into someone's heart and before you know it, that leaven has leavened the entire bag of flour. This morning, we baptized a man and his wife, you know, who brought them to Christ? Their 14-year-old son. And brother got saved and sister got saved and all four of the children got saved. And today mom and dad said, I need to, we're going to get baptized. We're going to follow Christ too. I said, the kingdom of God's taken over. Just, just kind of stretch yourself a little. I'm taking over. Why should darkness win? Why should the enemy have his way? Why should we be the victim? No, church, we are the victorious body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's called us to take his gospel to the ends of the earth. But I say today there are many of you who have no spark, no hunger for God. No desire to see God do anything new in your life. And I'm telling you, friend, you're in a dangerous place. A very dangerous place where you're drifting away. And others of you have a great desire, but you're praying amiss. And God wants to correct your motives and give you the desires of His heart. And others of you, more, this morning, the Lord is saying to you, there's a due season coming for you. Don't get weary. Don't quit. Don't throw in the towel. Hang in there. Keep doing what I called you to do. Be faithful to me. And as long as you and I are willing to do that and let God use us however we can, wherever we are, his kingdom will increase. 
And we will be a fruit-bearing branch that brings glory to the Father. That's my desire for you. That when you and I enter the gates of heaven, that we will be a fruitful people. Fruitful in every way. We can say, God did this. God honored a simple contribution to his kingdom. He honored that simple testimony of of his work in my life. He honored that simple reflection, that simple prayer that I offered for somebody else. And God made me fruitful. And friends, the greatest joy that you and I could ever experience, the greatest fulfillment you and I could ever experience is when we have done God's purpose for our life. And we've brought something to somebody else that they didn't have. And I know everybody in here can tell me about somebody who's added to them. I want you to be that person. Because it's the very nature of God. Listen to what the scripture says. God so loved the world that he gave. What did he do? He added to us. What did he add? A son. His one and only Son, so that whosoever believes in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. God is the great adder. He is the one who has contributed the greatest gift. Today, if you haven't received the gift of salvation, if you haven't said yes to Christ, if in your heart you know, you say, Preacher, today if I died, I would go into eternal separation from God. In hell, let me tell you, friend, that doesn't have to be the answer for your soul. Jesus is God's gift to you. If you will confess your sin to God, He is faithful and just to forgive you of all unrighteousness. I'm going to ask you to stand with me this morning. I want to make two invitations. I'm going to ask you to just bow your head where you are. And ask God to speak to your heart. You say, Pastor, would God speak to me? Absolutely. He loves you. And He wants to speak to your heart. There are some things He wants to address, desires that He wants to make conformable to His will. Father, I pray that if there be any in the sound of my voice today who doesn't know you as their Savior, that you would give them that longing, that desire to walk with Christ. I pray that you would bring conviction of sin and of wrath and of judgment. That you would cause every person in this place to know their need for for Christ and for His forgiveness. That His blood would wash and cleanse. I pray that no one would be able to leave this place without knowing that they have made that commitment to Christ. I ask that you would do this for the glory of God.